welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, hey. Oh. And I hey. have and I have to say, yes. a very dapper-looking Mr. Springer. Well, I'm really ticked off. Someone got a new hairdo. Well, what I'm ticked off about <laughs> is, uh, for some reason, the camera's not working today. Yeah, our what Facebook feed it? isn't working. The Facebook Live. feed. So people can't see us today. It's a shame. So I got this hairdo for nothing? And it is, I mean, it is silky. It's it is. unbelievable. <laughs> what it do is, you mean? So It's you, just gorgeous. I it, love it is. <laughs> and this is the first time I've ever had a mohawk, so it's I'm thinking <laughs> people can't see. Know. They don't know. They don't know. Uh, it looks unbelievable. Yeah, you also a little pissed off driving over here. You're telling me you're all pissed oh. off because... Of oh, uh, airplane is. envy, I guess you oh, call it. Right. Airplane envy. <laughs> yeah. You want to no, explain that? This is called that? first world problems, for sure. Airplane okay, envy. Okay, so I'm taking off uh, this afternoon after finishing our show in, in Connecticut. We fly out of White Plains. And and so my plane is parked there. And right next, literally right next to my plane, um, a picture you can't see because we're not, uh, it's Hillary's. Yeah. You really? Know. Is it yeah. stronger on the side and everything? Quarantined, or did they have to no. cross the doors? <laughs> yeah. Or? Hazmat suits the door, around it. <laughs> hey, the door was open. Really? Did you go on? I should have. Go use the, use the restroom or something? Her plane's bigger. Her plane's bigger. <laughs> how did I know that that now was going to be your issue? Now I know how the little people feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of us would have come in our oh, cars to get her here. Her plane is huge. I think her plane's bigger than Trump's. <laughs> Get yourself like a bigger plane, Donnie. <laughs> Don't worry about your hands. Your, your plane's, plane's too small. <laughs> you know what they say, big plane. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm not doing very well either because I got oh, a hard smackdown on the. Uh, What'd you get? Unlimited mileage. Oh, they got. <laughs> Well, you think What's it's funny, don't you, Megan? still doing this? You, you think got it's a funny. smackdown? You're not supportive happened? on this Not at all. I think it's ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. Someone else heard about the idea? I love the hell on this. Yeah, no, it's just a That's dumb, dumb idea. Okay, so I made contact with the Guinness Book of Record. Oh, no. And, and, and they got back to me pretty quickly, by the way. <laughs> did they? They didn't waste any time. And, and they a, said, with, I, well, because I said I wanted to, let's make sure people know, may not have listened before, but I, I aim, I, as I say, I fin to be, to set the record. <laughs> I plan to set the record for the number of miles you can put on a rental car when you get one of those one week unlimited mileage contracts. Right. Unlimited because mileage. Unlimited you mileage. To set the record for the most miles. Most miles. Get two other drivers with me, and we virtually drive nonstop seven but, days around America. But yes. once again, one you could have just been in the parking lot because no one's ever done this before. So if you had gone half a mile, you would have set the yeah, world's record. Yeah, but you record. want to set a record that is going to be very difficult to break. Oh, you know, because everyone's going to be trying to oh, break. Oh, yeah. right. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is 2017. Every fraternity in America is going to be like, <laughs> we can beat that. Pokemon oh, yeah. Go is going to go to the side here. It's right. going to be Gene Calvin's So I, I said to them, and I laid it out. You know, in detail, this is why it's important. That's what I tend to do. And they wrote back and said, no, we're just not interested. Get a hobby, So I got smacked down. (laughs) And they did say that there is a record for the number of land miles just driving and driving and driving. But that's different from what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I and and then I don't want to read the email. What but do you mean? A record for a just number driving and driving of and driving what? A rental car? Or just a car? I don't. Not a rental car. I didn't. I was so irritated and jealous. I didn't even look up in full detail. So what it's basically, about. <laughs> it's a smackdown. <laughs> it was a smackdown. Total and utter. And, the, and the email had words in it like insignificant. Ridiculous. Uh, small, ridiculous, deplorable. I thought, well, that's the yeah, word of the yeah, week. The deplorable, word of the deplorable was in there. Yeah, maybe so Hillary I, was I talking don't about you. You know, say the big old F you to them, but screw you, Guinness Book. And I'm Irish yeah. too. They annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> and I used to drink their beer. No and, more. And, and I don't no. know. No more. No. I probably will. <laughs> probably not. I probably will. <laughs> why don't you come on over? I know. I mean, I think I probably will. Hey, yeah. why, don't you, no, why don't you just come on over and try some Manischewitz? Aww. Come to oh, our people. Come, yeah, yeah, come to, to our people. Well, we, we have a record book. Uh, yeah, I bet you <laughs> but you got it. Re, it reads from uh, right to left. <laughs> yeah. On the way yeah, over here, I was as, as you about- do in Hebrew, right? Because yes. most people yeah. wouldn't know right. that. Yeah, which is. So I either think you should start a book of record, Jerry, the yeah. Springer book of record, yeah. or there are two oh. competing record books. One is the ultimate book of world records. I'm going to make contact with them, and the World Record Academy. Haven't I like you got that the hint? Oh no no no! Oh Jerry, <laughs> he's so the first time someone down. said, "Let's climb Mount Everest," or "Let's and someone fly said around," no. you know, do a. <laughs> You know, the John Glenn thing, people said no to that. No, I'm going to stop. So, um, and you see this on the same level as that, don't you? Yeah. It's John Glenn. Okay. I just like to see where your head is. I would love to know if there is a list that Guinness has compiled of all these fakakta ideas. (laughs) Rejected. Guinness um, Book of World Rejections. See what other ones ones they have rejected and see how you fit into that. Well, let's just put it in in perspective. What they did put in, did you guys see on the Today Show last week, every day they had a Guinness Book of Record record holder on. And one guy, the uh, record was... How many balloons can you break with your teeth, inflated balloons, in 20 seconds? I saw that on, on the interwebs, yeah. Yeah, on the interwebs. On the so interwebs, that, yeah. I mean, you know, and the Academy of World Records has the largest, I think it's like 2,000 pounds, uh, the heaviest bicycle ever made. He made a bicycle out of earth-moving wheels and all that stuff. So, yeah, this is important stuff that... Okay. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, so anyway, just, I just like to see where you feel you fit in. And I think you, John Glennon was a good example. Okay, well, <laughs> quick question to you. Yes, when you vacation, haven't haven't you vacationed at is it Cabo St. Lucas or something? Yeah, that's a pretty cool place, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've never yeah. been there, never been invited yeah. to go with anybody there. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. you are so that subtle. may not change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's really oh, it's beautiful, rich place. Would you say? I mean, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: they don't even put the name of the. We only went there once, but they don't even put the name of the place. In other words, if you mm. don't know where it is, you yeah, can't you find it. That's you how you know it's really good. <laughs> yeah, they, they literally don't have the name of the place. And when you walk, and it, it, it is unbelievable. That's cool. I mean, yeah. we do. I know I do. And where I do you know vacation, James? Well, I was at a place called San. Last summer, San Felipe, uh, Cabo St. Lucas is at the end of the Baja Peninsula. And San, right. Felipe, San Felipe is about halfway down the peninsula on the Pacific side. Yeah. And it is very normal. It's very normal Mexican beach town. Hmm. And Megan, you know, it's a place. It is yeah. just a cool place to go. Yeah. yeah. 
Vacation spot. Family vacation spot. spot. Yeah, yeah, regular people. And I was down there. and Not Springer people. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I came out of a bar. And it was, and it was kind of, and I, man, where's my watch? I left my watch back at the hotel, actually a motel, Megan. I mean, I'll stay in hotels. And uh, what time is it? And there was a guy under a tree. He looked like he had just gotten off work, probably worked all day, had a, what are you pulling on his sleeve for? <laughs> I just realized he had a, here. He had a donkey with him. He just oh, yeah. worked all day. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, <laughs> <laughs> Where is this? It's girl? relaxing under a tree. Yeah. Now, Megan, I don't mean to offend you with this, but I went over to the guy and I said, I, I speak Spanish, and I say, Acordes, que acordes, and he said in Spanish, uh, 4.30. And, but when he answered that, he reached over with his hand, and again, I don't mean to offend you, but he took the donkey's testicles in his hand. <laughs> Held him in his hand when he when he said the time, and I thought that's the craziest thing. Yeah, and I said to him in Spanish, um, "What? How'd you do that?" And he said, "Well, I just had to lift up the nuts of the donkey so I could see the church over there under where it's." It said four thirty on the church. You know the, the church. church clock. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, wish. And I and you looked that up. And you did. <laughs> yeah, look, but not only did you look it up, you then decided that this that's is the a one good I'm idea. Into the show. So for those who may not listen all the time, that was a got joke. A couple of <laughs> hey, Hillary's oh illness, Jerry. Yeah, oh yeah. Talk about that. Well, the first thing obviously and and by the time people listen to this, it may be a the issue may be over, so uh, we're doing this on the 13th of September uh, as we're recording this. You know, right now the prognosis is that she has um, pneumonia, and uh, hopefully it's not long-term, maybe out for a few days, maybe the antibiotics will help, the medicine will help. And uh, it obviously, two months before the election, has political consequences, um, I would say primarily because the other side is making a major issue of this. Now, obviously, if it turns out to be a serious, God forbid, serious, serious illness, then, then it is a major issue. Um, what gets me is how quickly, I mean, Hillary Clinton is held to a different standard than any other politician in America, flat out, all this you know, people are getting upset because on Friday, the doctor determined that she had pneumonia and she didn't tell people until Sunday or early Monday. Oh, my word, how horrible is that? Who among us, regardless, let's say you, you have a job and you take your job seriously, hasn't every one of us at some point, not been feeling well, been sick, say, well, give me some medicine. I got to go to work. She's running for president of the United States. There's hardly a human being who works any harder than she does for her whole life, every day of her life. I've never, ever seen a candidate work as many events day in and day out. She did it when she wasn't a candidate, when she was secretary of state traveled more places. I mean, she is a workaholic. 
That sometimes is the criticism of her. You know, and now it's, oh, she's a woman and she doesn't look well. And, uh, you know, she said she, she can't handle the man's job of being president of the United States. All these implications. I'm telling you, it's sexist. Transparency, there's no one as transparent as she is, I would argue. For the last 40 years, she has been the most studied, the most investigated, the most covered human being on the planet Earth. She has every single year, we've seen her tax records. She has been with more investigations, more press coverage, more networks developed simply to beat up on Clintons. You know, and medical reports coming out on her. And what? Do we, we hold her to that standard as another way to, oh, that Hillary, she's just some old, weak lady who doesn't have stamina. Stamina? Trump, who sits in his plush offices, and his idea of campaigning is, frankly, to get on the phone and call into various talk shows and do an interview while sitting, I promise you, in a very nice office or room. You're comparing stamina he can't hold a candle to her. And yet we just, we just beat up on her. It's relentless. Everything she does. Aha! She's dishonest. She didn't tell us right away that she has pneumonia. No! She's running for president and she's trying to work as hard and not come up with an excuse why she can't campaign. You know very well there probably was a fight among her people. She wanted to go out to California. And finally, they stood her up and said, you are not going to California. You're going to bed. You're going to take this medicine. You're going to rest for three or four days. We know that's what happened. And yet, anything we can do to destroy this woman, you know, whose greatest sin is that she's devoted her entire life to public service, to helping others. That is true. She is not an egomaniac. She really works it all the time. And, you know, comparing her to Trump on this issue of stamina is ridiculous. Secondly, when I said they hold a woman to a different standard than a man, let's look just at the presidents in my lifetime who have covered up seriously covered up. I'm not talking about a cough they can't get rid of and walking pneumonia, which it could take a week or two. FDR, well, we all know. And I'm not just talking about the polio. I'm talking about the congestive heart disease he had, even running in the fourth term, where frankly he, and I'm glad he ran, and I'm glad he won, but he had no business running for president in his physical condition. It was clear that he was going to die and not be able to fill out his term. But that was kept quiet. Then Eisenhower, Eisenhower with the heart attacks. No one was saying he has no stamina. He gets reelected after the heart attack. And after having to make decisions from either the bed, the hospital bed, or whatever. And after Eisenhower, we had the election of 1960. You might remember Richard Nixon made a promise to campaign in all 50 states, which was crazy. And his handlers got ticked off at him because, you know, he, when you're running a campaign, you don't have time to do all 50 states. You got to run where the votes are. You know, it's a political process. But he wanted to go to all 50 states. And the result was that for two weeks, he was on his back 
because he had what phlebitis and phlebitis. and a knee injury and and so he was ill. And then Kennedy, Jack Kennedy, had Addison's disease and serious back problems. That's kept quiet. And no one's saying that John Kennedy wasn't this vigorous, you know, people get upset with him because apparently in some areas he was too vigorous. And then, you know, after Kennedy, Reagan, uh, with if not Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever, but in the second term, clearly wasn't all there. And that's pretty well understood now. Decisions were being made for him, et cetera. So all this stuff that we give the men a pass on. Every day in politics, we give, you know, it's just not an issue. But it's a woman. I don't know. She may not be up for it. And it's not that a lot of people are trying to be mean. Well, some are. But it's just, it's part of the culture. We honestly believe it's a woman. She stumbled. Oh, she doesn't look well today. She seems to have more wrinkles today. Did you see her hair? She just looks all rumpled. She's tired. I mean, all this sexist stuff. And, of course, you're running against Trump, who is the antithesis. I mean, he is the poster child for the 1950s sexism that, that existed in our society. So that's what I think of this whole Hillary Clinton health thing. Obviously, we all pray there's nothing really badly wrong. But I'm saying at this moment, when we don't know that there's anything serious, we are concluding without any evidence that this woman doesn't have the stamina to be president. That says more about us than it does about her. Yeah. You know what, um, in, all, in all honesty, too, the thing that really drove me nuts about it was that this was the 9-11 memorial that she was there, she was sick for. Can you imagine? I, I had heard a couple commentators say she should have taken off, she should have taken care of herself. Can you imagine? Hmm. Can you imagine the backlash if Hillary Clinton... Didn't show up. Didn't show you up. Are so right. Or walked out in the middle of right, it. Right, or walked yeah. out in the middle of it. Like that's She's presidential yeah. candidate. She has to do these things. She's slugging it out. Absolutely. God bless her. God love her. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh... We were talking last week at the post-show dinner, and roast came up. Not because we were true eating meeting of the minds. Roast. We were we go to a chili parlor in Cincinnati uh, regularly. But at any rate, we were talking about roasting people. Yes. Oh yeah. And oh, you right. told us something that we didn't know that Megan and I didn't know that you had been you were roasted once by some pretty significant people that I would call legacy oh, right. comedians. Uh huh. Yeah, and I'm, then you roasted. You were involved. You've been involved in a few of them. But to tell yeah. about tell tell our but, audience who who roasted you on a night in what nineteen eighty something? No, no, it was in, no. I already had my show. It was in the nineties, and it was in L.A. Oh, maybe Beverly Hills, but I mean, you know, out there in that community. And it was the Friars Club. Okay, and they were roasting me because the show had hit it big and it was crazy and all that. But the neatest thing, particularly for someone like me who grew up in the Catskills, I mean, that's where, grew up in New York and we spent our summers in the Catskills where all these great comedians at the time, and most of them were Jewish comedians. Uh, so the people who roasted me were Milton Berle, Sid Caesar. Uh, I mean, wow. it, was, it was just, I mean, these were all my idols, you know, Henny Youngman. These are the people whose jokes I steal. Oh, I don't steal. I borrow. <laughs> and they asked for And them if back. they were still around, I would give them back. They're not around anymore, but otherwise I would give it back. 
And actually, Bill Maher was the, uh, the MC. Well, that is that. so cool. So th- that really was. I had yeah. forgotten really totally neat. about it until, uh, until we had that conversation. So that was really cool. And, and then, then you wrote... Such you, nice people. I did mean, you roast um, the Hoff at yeah. some point? The Hoff. Yeah, on Comedy Central, you know, they run the... And I, I am telling you, you know, because of my show, you would think that I've heard a few bad words in my life. <laughs> it was the filthiest. <laughs> I was thoroughly, I mean, I couldn't, you, can you know. If you were impressed or embarrassed, y- huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you guys know me. I mean, no one believes it, but I really don't go around cursing. No, so, no, no. Yeah. don't. So, and this was unbelievable. And we had a roast, uh, the Hoff, uh, David Hasselhoff. And, uh, you know, you, yeah, which isn't that difficult. But, um, and, well, I, I think I was asked because uh, I, at the time I, I was host of America's Got Talent and he was one of the judges. So we got to know each other. And, you know, he, he's been nothing but nice to me. So I don't have any bad things to say about him. Anyway, we're roasting. But on those roasts, you don't just roast the person you're supposed to roast. You also roast the other roasters. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's going back and forth. And it was filthy. <laughs> and the closest I came to anything which was inappropriate that you wouldn't want your kid to hear, well, Pamela Anderson was there. <laughs> she was one of the roasters. <laughs> and everyone was making fun of, you know, Hasselhoff, the TV shows he's been in, and, you know, not the world's greatest actor. And, you know, in movies and, you know, most of them not very good, to be honest. And so I just said, uh, David, the best thing you've ever been in is Pamela Anderson. Who? And <laughs> nah. That gene, see that? A so joke. That's, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's the Probably closest. original, too. Yeah. So that's the closest I ever got to. But I'm telling you, the la- it was unbelievable. And, you know, and then you realize it's cable. They can say anything. But, you know, the F word was the cleanest thing. Oh, I believe that. That, that wow. was well, well, that was it. just the roast that we were just talking about last week over dinner. I think that's what we brought it up was the Rob Lowe one that turned into the roast of Ann Coulter. That... Mm. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's, that's, that's what that's God has Well, that's what, usually, that's what usually happens up in these um, Comedy Central roasts. They set it up that you're roasting this person. Yeah. But everyone kind of... There's always someone, someone on that stage that you really want to get. They yeah. put in yeah. there on purpose, probably. Yeah, because they know. Yeah. So they knew. They knew. Yeah. You know, it's Hollywood. How much are they going to like Ann Coulter? You it's, know? True. it's true. Hey, we're going to ask you in a second uh, to talk about the national anthem protests, mm. which are growing. And I also want to preview that we have this great band, very significant band from Ireland, Socks in the Frying Pan. And they're in the region uh, performing, and we were able to kind of pull them over here to have them do a set with us. But I did want to, before, Jerry, I asked you to talk about that national anthem thing. Let me mention something real fast. There is a protest. That's a protest. Mm. And then there is another protest in Cannonball, North Dakota. And I think that we should add to the growing conversation about it just to get the people to know about it. And I'm just going to tell you about it and then okay. ask that people go online. And it's called, uh, and all you have to do is Google Cannonball North Dakota and it will pop up. But there is uh, a camp that's popped up. 
a rogue camp called Sacred Stone Camp and a second one not far from it called the Red Warrior Camp. And this is a very unusual thing. And you, you know this, Jerry, back in this is a long time ago, 1966, I was in Vista, right. Volunteers in Service yep. to America. <clears throat> and it had formed the year before in the shadow of the Peace Corps. Yep. And it was a domestic Peace Corps. Peace Corps was a two-year obligation. This was one year. And in uh, Vista, you could go <clears throat> to the hollers of Appalachia, uh, Hispanic Barrio, or, or to a Native American reservation. So I selected that. And I spent my time at an Ojibwe reservation in northern Minnesota, not far from the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation, which is where all of this is happening. <clears throat> and I know from the studying of Native American cultures, they didn't typically team up with each other. If you came here before the Europeans came here, uh, tribes existed all over the country, and they all just kind of did their thing, and they frankly kept people off each other's land, and they yeah. were very separate. This has brought 250 tribes together. This is reminiscent of Wounded Knee, yeah. a protest that happened back in the 70s that uh, unfortunately turned violence and people died. At the Standing Rock Reservation, and here's just the point I want to make, one mile from the reservation is former reservation land, now federal land, and this needs to be said, we have screwed Native Americans through just bullshit treaties over the years and shrunk, shrunk, shrunk the property that they're on. Right. So where this is happening, there is sacred grounds, burial grounds, artifacts, and the water is threatened because <clears throat> a pipeline where they're digging for crude oil in North Dakota, mm. and then they're moving that crude oil to Illinois across four states, and then it'll go into other systems to take it to the Gulf Coast where it will be processed, refined, and sold. But this is the rub. This is unfreaking believable. Bismarck, North Dakota, the only sizable town in North Dakota, it's a very sparsely populated state, has one congressman, by the way. Yep. <clears throat> the people of Bismarck, when they were going to bring this in a more direct route near Bismarck, threw a fit. You'll you'll contaminate our water source. And they cranked up all their political power in the one major city, and they got it moved. And Indian guess where land. they moved? Yeah. To Indian land. And, and they're going to run it under the Missouri River and threaten the aquifer in the process of doing that. So the Native Americans said, our water is our life. Get it out of here. Take it back to Bismarck. Put it in somebody else's backyard. But this is what we do. We always find the poorest people yes. to do the things we don't want done, whether it's storing contaminated waste or whether it's running a pipeline. So these 250 tribes have shown up, and they are in these two encampments. And they, just last Friday, lost a federal court hearing to stop the project. They lost that. Credit Barack Obama and the uh, Justice Department yep. for saying, stop. We're going to stop this thing and we're going to retalk this. The Army Corps of Engineers are going to come back in and restudy it. They're going to listen to the cries of these now 250 tribes who are joined in solidarity. Yep. And this just needs to be known about, and people can easily Google the Sacred Stone Camp. Uh, 
That's a great story. I'm I came pretty close to leaving on Thursday to go out there and yeah. then for various reasons decided not to. But I think before this is over, because this is they are now gathering food and clothing for the winter. They are not going anywhere. And this uh, fight goes on. And so who knows? Maybe we'll go out there and, Ooh, yeah, and talk to be, people. Yeah, uh, that's good. O'Don- uh, O'Donnell, who has a show on MSNBC. I want to say oh, Danny yeah. O'Donnell, but it's not. He has been out there yeah. uh, as the one kind of prominent journalist who is yeah. out getting the story told. More and Great more story. journalists are going. Yeah. And so, anyway, just wanted to touch on that. Good. Hey, Jerry, talk about the protest of the national anthem that seems to be growing among professional athletes. Yeah, uh, last week we talked a little bit about it uh, because it just hit. That's when the... Uh, the quarterback uh, of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, he refused to stand. We know the story now. He refused to stand during the national anthem because he wanted to make a statement uh, in favor of racial justice. And he thought that he wasn't being sincere in singing the national anthem because we aren't one nation uh, in terms of, he thinks, there is racial injustice in this country, and there is a separate standard for uh, white people and those who aren't. And uh, that's his feeling. And uh, obviously there's a whole bunch of evidence, but that he feels very strongly about it. And so he, that was his protest. And of course there's an outcry, because how can you not stand when they're playing the national anthem? Isn't that something we can all get together on? And I had said at the time, which I believe, you know, when the national anthem plays, I stand up. That's my view. But I totally get why someone else will choose not to stand up and has every right to. And here's what happened this week. And now, by the way, a whole bunch of teams are starting to join, a whole bunch of athletes. And isn't it interesting how much of the social justice campaign in the last 50 years, whatever the cause is, if it relates to social justice, oftentimes it's an athlete that leads the, you know, obviously Jackie Robinson and obviously Muhammad Ali, but also with gay rights and stuff like that. Some athlete will suddenly say, I'm gay and I'm playing football and all of a sudden there's more attention given to that. And the reason is, in our culture, the two most prominent platforms are sports and entertainment. So you can write all the position papers you want and write all the letters to the editor you want and all the blogs you want. It's when an athlete or an entertainer says something that it gets the attention. And that's that's reality. And so now all of a sudden, we're talking more in pretty strong ways about racial injustice in this country. Now, the other day, and those of us who have lived for many years in the Cincinnati area, at least one of my friends, and certainly one of my athletic heroes, is Boomer Esiason. I loved him. I mean, you know, I've met him on many occasions, and he's a great guy. He's also a great human being. I mean, the money quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals back yes during the Super Bowl year when they went against the 49ers I think in 1989 and we lost but anyway uh but when I say he's also a great human being is he has raised 
I think over a hundred million dollars uh, for cystic fibrosis uh, to to f- help find a cure for that. His his son had that, has that, and uh, but he's devoted his life to that. So he's a good good person. But I heard him on some interview, just part of the interview. So I maybe didn't get the whole thing. But he was taking the position that if you're in the NFL, that should not be the platform to raise political issues. That. Yeah, if you've got a beef, there are other ways to do it. But when it's Sunday and there's an NFL game, you know, respect the game, respect the flag, and don't bring your politics out on the field. And the point he was making is he doesn't go out on the – he didn't go out on the field, try to raise money while he's out there, you know, with a sign or something on his helmet, cystic fibrosis. So I thought about that just – I think it was – I wasn't driving the car. I was sitting in the back of the limo. But um, I remember hearing that. (laughs) No, I was listening to that. And then I get it. And so I disagree with him on this. The issue of racial injustice. The American flag and the national anthem, that is exactly where the protest belongs. In other words... If you want to talk about raising money for some charity or something, that has no relevance to the flag. People in all countries get diseases, you know, and and, and different kind of things. So it has no relevance. But the American flag and the national anthem specifically are about the idea America of equal justice and opportunity for all equal protection of the law, that is exactly what the idea of America is. So that is exactly where you would make that protest. It had total relevance to the national anthem. So that is appropriate. And I know there are a lot of people, because as I said, someone like me would stand for the national anthem and will continue to do that. And, but they're bent out of shape that someone wouldn't do that. And then you hear... My son died in a war defending America. And my response would be, yes, defending America. Not a piece of cloth, not a song, not a tune. Defending the idea America. And racial justice, equality under the law, equal opportunity, that is the idea America. That's what you honor. And if we're not living up to that, then let's get people's attention so we can do a better job of living up to it. And if it means not respecting a particular song or a particular piece of cloth, nobody dies for a piece of cloth. You die for what it stands for. And if we're not measuring up, because, you know, we are, we are a, a, a working being. You know, America is never finished. It's a constant journey. Always trying to better ourselves. Always trying to become fairer. And that's why the pendulum always swings towards more justice. Justice for African Americans. And then we had justice for women. And then we had equal justice for gays. I mean, it's always moving in that direction. So we're trying to get better. But the protest, and isn't it interesting how it starts with just some, not with a riot, not with blowing up anything, 
just a, one human being, I think it was Bobby Kennedy who said each time uh, a man stands up for an ideal, he sends out a little ripple of hope. I'm probably, you know, destroying that saying, but you get the idea. One human being can make a difference. So a guy just, nothing big, he just doesn't stand up during a song, and the whole country is now talking about it. You know, they're doing that in high schools. Before high school games on Friday night, some of the kids from these high schools aren't standing. And the kids, by the way, are protected by the Constitution. You can't punish a school. It's not permitted to punish a kid, a public school, to punish a kid for not standing during the national anthem. We had a legal case, I think, in 1948. They can't punish a kid for that. The NFL is a private organization, so it can tell its players you stand or you'll be banished. Well, they're not going to do that because a major portion of NFL football are black people, are African-Americans, so they won't do that. Notice Major League Baseball, there hasn't been one baseball player that has failed to stand for the national anthem. Why? African-Americans only make up 8% of Major League Baseball. Times have changed. Remember when Jackie Robinson broke in and... And in the 1970s, more than 50% of the players were African-American. Now it's down to 8%. So with baseball, you're not getting this protest. The NFL can't do anything about the protest in the, with its players because it'll lose everybody. If it starts you know, punishing the players for speaking their mind. But that's the point. Yes, a lot of us are offended when someone doesn't stand for the national anthem or doesn't salute the flag, doesn't pledge allegiance to the flag. But instead of just getting angry because that's not our position or the way we protest, think about it. It is totally relevant to the issue to have someone protest in that case. And it took a lot of guts because these players are losing a ton of money. Yeah. <clears throat> Kids, by the way, that's interesting you should bring that up before we bring up uh, Socks in the Frying Pan, this wonderful uh, musical group from Ireland. Um, and this is the stuff that I've taught at Xavier University as an adjunct professor, grad school of education, teaching principals, teachers who will later become principals. The Tinker case was the first one, and then it was followed by the Hazelwood case. Mm. And the Tinker case gave kids the right to protest openly in school, and that oh. taking of the knee, that it does that protect them. Hazelwood case came after that, tighten it up a little bit, that if you can prove that that act of protest endangers kids, provokes sure. fights, whatever, then... That's not protected. Th that's like yelling fire in a yeah. crowded theater. But if it's peaceful... Exactly. They're protected. In silence. You know, and I didn't know what th that it makes sense, by the way, that this is growing among kids... Uh, in at high school football games. I don't know where this is going, by the way, but your point is right, Jerry. If we're talking about this, that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. You're going to end up on either side of it. Well, what, look it. what's going to happen now on Monday morning in, in high school classrooms. I, I, Can you imagine right. a high school football game and the, some of the kids don't stand? You know the kids are going to talk about it Monday in school. Social so now studies the class. Social studies, sure. the teachers, they may have to have assemblies on it. We're going to start really dealing with this question. Yep. And uh, uh, someone last night, we were watching the uh, uh, Redskins football game. Yep. 
And uh, one of my fr- friends, he works at the, at the show. And we're watching together, smoking a cigar. And he says, uh, you think they should have changed the name of the Redskins? And I said, yeah, they should have. And, and he said, why? Not to be confrontational, but yeah. just why? And frankly, Gene, I give you the credit because you're the one that brought it up a whole bunch of years ago mm-hmm. uh, to, to get me to pay attention to it. If a group is insulted, they don't need me to say there's no reason for you to be insulted. Exactly right. If you hurt someone's feelings, you can't say, oh, you have no reason to be. They, they're hurting. And they, for, I think, good reason, the Redskins is a derogatory name to someone who is a Native American. Look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. I would, it, by the way, it's defined exactly the same. I've done this. I used it as an argument to try to get two schools to change the use of it in the Cincinnati area. One did and one didn't. Yeah. But when, when we put on a big placard and took it to school board meetings, the definition of the dreaded N-word, yeah. mm-hmm. it is a derogatory term applied to African-American people. Then you look up the R word, and it says a derogatory term. Right. Can you imagine a local high school team being named the... The big, the the, ends, you know, like I say, the word. The Withrow N word. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, we we can't even imagine. I mean, it's just so absurd. Right. But if you, we don't have many Native Americans living in this area. But if you, if we did, that's how they feel. I wouldn't want to go back to New York and be rooting for the New York Kikes. Same thing. You know, it's like, yeah. it's unless true. they had a good quarterback. Unless, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Why do I have to? I mean, yeah. I was so you were close. so good. So close to, to saying Megan. something poignant, and, and then... I got out. Boom. Don't Why do you criticize me, Megan? Spring her it all up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just spring her it all one, up there. One more thing. Just before you guys start playing, because this is uh, uh, my wife and I, you know, I'm 72. You are. And we were intimate. Like, I well, haven't been You're going to talk well about that, about no, like just, We have feel, asked you not to. I have well <laughs> today, you know, maybe you know yeah. Well, okay, so once in a while I use Viagra. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm 72. It's okay. Why do we get? Why, why are we here? Megan, like, again, I'm <laughs> Megan, to I apologize to you about the holding the testicles. Yeah. I apologize no. for this. And, Go ahead. And I'm an HR manager. manager. Yeah, I know. You're it was HR horrible manager. last night. It was horrible. And I want to uh, personally apologize to her if she's listening. Because um, all, all of a sudden, I started choking <laughs> on the pill. I, honestly, I had a stiff neck for four hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And it's all of your faults for laughing. So he will keep doing this, and so will Gene. I'll have another one next <laughs> week. Tune in. So I don't feel sorry for anyone now, because you're all laughing. <laughs> right. Socks in the frying pan. Joined up. I'm going to ask them to start with a song, but let me just tell you this much about them. They're from the west side of Ireland, County Clare. And uh, they're performing around this region. They're going to be in, I think, Kansas shortly. Is that true? This, this weekend coming from Kansas. Yeah. Okay, and then back to Ireland again. Back to Ireland, yeah. They're in the greater Cincinnati or the tri-state area, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. Start off with a song, and then we're going to chat with you if it's okay.
Wow. That was awesome. Socks in the frying pan. Uh, it's all downhill from there, folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So we have Aiden Coyne. I remember the words. <laughs> we have Aiden Coyne, and we have uh, Shane Hayes and Fikra Hayes, and you guys are from? We're from Ennis. 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 By the way, I don't know if others have. I have been there. My, my family's from Dungarvin, okay. uh, County Wall. Sorry about that, yeah. yeah, so, we, yeah. We, we, don't, we don't talk to those people. <laughs> so, we beat you in soccer, Not by the right way. Right in here. Soccer? Okay, okay. You can have that one. You can have that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is a really cool town. That is a beautiful, little, active, kind of working hours town, right? Yeah. yeah Get some right. tourists, but it's the real deal. It's huge for Irish music as well. It's kind of like the Nashville equivalent of Irish music. Mm. Our and you guys so. got an award in Ireland, did you not, for an album that you did? Do I have that right? Tell us about it. We that. did. We won the... Um, we won our, our first album we brought out won the album of the year award at home uh, and over here as well actually so we, we paid off a lot of Woo-hoo. people for that so, yeah by the way if you're listening live on our stream and you're in the greater Cincinnati area after this you guys are headed to Molly Malone's which is a really great Irish bar in Cincinnati great, right or in Covington. northern Kentucky actually Covington Kentucky yeah. really good how can people hear your music by the way um, we're up on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on, you can buy the albums online or you can come on the road and drive along with us. There's yeah, long, go, right, yeah. long drives we could when use When they're in Ireland, could they come and stage your house? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Stay yeah. 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 at his house, no problem. Yeah. 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 As long as they can cook and clean, they're, they're more than welcome. We'll post their address. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do a second song for us, would you? Sure, no problem. Thank you. This one's called The Bukali Bona, and we wrote it ourselves. It's, uh, it's about a, a society in, uh, in Ireland, agrarian society, fought for the rights of farmers during the plantation era. And uh, they were all killed for singing protest songs. So it's called the Bukali Bon. Confined to the shovel and the stable, he mopped away half of his life with tackle and reins, buckle and chain, plodding his way through the night. The whip wasn't spared as a young lad. No more than it was for a mare Saddle and grain, calling the mare Dreaming of stealing away In a place he'd call his own Land on Kilhornan Planted but not sown Leave and leave Rivals. A pleasant young hound he'd seem to No fighting or brewing, just grooming and chewing A straight living life how he knew Songs that he'd heard in the distance Were tunes of a faraway land Of sporting and fencing, courting and dancing Not privileged to a peasant man In a place he'd call his own land Planted but not so Leave and leave And when woken by cold or by fever Knew he had strength yet untold But feelings of fear, laughter and sneers Compel him to stay where he's home with courage against landlord and bailiff, he'd been learning the tricks of the trade. From 
amble and canter, gallop and slander, the taunting had sharpened his sleeve. in the frying pan. You guys are fantastic. Could you, you take much. us out on Irene Goodnight? And if you'll let him, Jerry Springer is going to go all Irish on us. Watch okay. it. Watch oh what he does. <laughs> no, he does know, the second verse. If we I let see him. It yeah, if every time him. people see me, they say, Jerry, oh, Springer. All right, okay. Oh. We apologize. Hey, man. I'm trying, huh? <laughs> you come up with an Irish joke. <laughs> Here we go. Good night, Irene. Tales, tunes, and tomfoolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. 
Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Now me and my wife, we are parted. Now we just stroll downtown. Sometimes I live in the country And sometimes I live in town Sometimes I take a great notion To jump in that river and drown 